from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to Talking Catholic, the official podcast of the Diocese of Camden, where we talk to the faith, uh, the newsmakers on, uh, in the Catholic Church today in South Jersey. And I'm Pete Sanchez, staff writer, social media coordinator of the Catholic Star Herald newspaper. And today uh, we have Mike Walsh again. Once again, Mike Walsh, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. <laughs> Yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Mike Walsh, director of communications. Mm-hmm. And we have a third host with us, Mary McCusker, uh, marketing communications coordinator for Catholic Charities. Mary, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me as a co-host. It's an honor. Yes, you were on the other side, so to speak. Now that's right. She's she's been here enough times that uh, we 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 hoisted the mantle of co-host on her, whether she likes it or not. And she's graduated, Mike. Do we have a cap and gown for her? Uh sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get that. We'll get a nice shot of her in cap and gown layer. Does she is a master's degree, doctorate, or did she just get her BA? I think I think this master's a master's in podcasting that she has received. All right. Well, I got a man. I got a master's gown at home, so we'll, we'll let her use that. Okay, Thanks, guys. Okay. And Mary, so how's the week going? Not too bad. It's going. It's going to be a busy week, but but that's all right. Are you uh, Are you getting ready for Thanksgiving? It's coming up. I kind of forgot that Thanksgiving was next week until yesterday. I don't know how November went by so quickly, but here we are. We, yeah, it's really, well, the cold air kind of reminded me about where we are right now. It's, uh, what about you, Mike? Are you getting ready for a holiday? <laughs> yes, I am. I, uh, the wife and I, uh, bought a electric turkey fryer and, uh, we fired it up this past weekend on a turkey breast and, uh, it was delicious. And I'm looking forward to dropping a 20-pound turkey in it on uh, Thanksgiving Day and feeding my uh, feeding my in-laws. But mostly for the leftovers for me. That sounds amazing. I've never deep fried a turkey before. Uh, it is it sounds amazing. outstanding. And I, I've deep fried a couple of turkeys, but it's usually over you know a, a gas burner, which is great. It's delicious unless you're the oil tips over, in which case you it just you just explode, um, which is really what you want to avoid doing. But this this electric turkey fryer is amazing. So uh, so yeah, I did a I did a five pound turkey breast in uh, 30 minutes the other day, and it'll do a 20-pound turkey in about an hour. It's amazing. And it's juicy and delicious and golden crust. And it just, it's a crisp, crispy golden crust. It's, it's so good. Okay, stop making us hungry. <laughs> you know, the worst part is I haven't had lunch yet, and I'm really, I'm kind of starving. I also made, <laughs> just to make you a little more hungry, I also made my East Carolina pulled pork to go with that. We had a birthday party with my parents, both turned 70 within about a month of each other. So we had a combined birthday party and I made the East Carolina pulled pork, which is a vinegar based uh, pulled pork and it is delicious. So, well, if I make uh, every Thanksgiving, I make a pecan pie. Oh, I love pecan pie. So I was going to say, if I make a pecan pie, if I make another one, can I come over? Uh, Just in general? Can't you just bring it into work? I'll eat it here. Okay, fine. You bring some of your pulled pork and Deal. your turkey, and I'll bring the pecan pie. All right, I How about like you, it. Mary? What can what, what are you? What is your dish for Thanksgiving? My special mac and cheese. Really, Kraft? No, no. SpongeBob mac and cheese. 
<laughs> and now I'm not going to reveal my special ingredients. Okay, Don't well, even ask. okay, oh. no, I won't ask what your special ingredients are. What kind of a noodle do you use? Do you use an elbow noodle or do you whatever? Just... Whatever I'm feeling that day. Really? You'll switch it up. You'll use like a, a, a I don't know some other kind of noodle. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's always delicious, no matter what. See, I like a nice rigatoni because it's got the edges in it. Rigatoni's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's got, and it's hollow on the inside, so it really you get all that good, you know, coating in there. Okay, now I'm actually drooling. <laughs> this needs to stop. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was, I was, it's funny you mentioned pasta because I read, what was that? Has anybody seen the movie Big Night with Tony Shalhoub? No. Stanley Tucci. There's a, uh, a pasta within a pasta. Somebody, I forget the name of it. Where you start off, where you put the dough, you put it in a uh, like a dish, and you roll it over, you put it over um, like you're going to fill it, mm-hmm. and you fill it with ziti and whatever else you want, like vegetables, meat, and you wrap it all together and you bake it. Really? And you slice it, and it's like pasta and pasta. It looked Damn. incredible. Um, if there's one thing I've always said, pasta doesn't have enough carbs. So pasta and pasta sounds outstanding. I was about to ask, are we talking carbs or talking Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with both. We, we, we've never we've never done a real good food podcast, so maybe we'll have to do that. But not today. No. Today we, we have a special topic. So let's, let's get on with our uh, news. Well, Mike, I hope, uh, you know, don't burn the house down uh, when you deep fry the turkey. So you can come to Theology on Tap, personal training. Oh, I would miss it. And you two marry. It is in Hamilton at Rockwood's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street. Theology on Tap is an event for uh, young adults in their 20s, 30s, single, married, late teens. um, Just a good time to come out, have a drink or two, um, get some good food. Rocco's Townhouse. Mike, you said it's amazing. I, I like Rocco's a lot. It's a good local hangout joint in Hamilton. Beautiful downtown Hamilton, which I, I love. I've spent a lot of my time there. Uh, it's a wonderful town. Come for Rocco's, then hit, do a restaurant crawl afterwards. They have a ton of great places. A bunch of good mm-hmm. wine bars, too. But, uh, but Rocco's is outstanding. And if you come early, Swing by uh, the Red Barn and uh, Penza Pies and get yourself a good, oh, it's so good. Get yourself a good uh, double crisp apple pie. Oh, man, it's, it's the best. Uh, sure. So, hey, Mike, Mike will be uh, picking up Penza Pies for everybody if you show up. <laughs> no, well, I'll pick them up, but they won't make it here. I'll tell you that. And then they won't make it to Rockos either. <laughs> well, Mike and I, uh, we, we uh, there's a good chance we'll be there mm-hmm. uh, Wednesday. That will be Wednesday, November 29th. Um, starting at 7, doors open, and the presentation starts at 7.30 and ends at about 9. And we didn't mention this, the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal in Atlantic City, who have been on the show before. Wonderful young women. They will be there talking about the personal training and prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for more information, uh, go to Theology on Tap dash South Jersey on Facebook or call 856-583-2908. And as always, the Theology on Taps are sponsored by the Diocesan uh, Young Adult and Camps Ministries. Uh, and, you know, we always tell people to, to come and say hi if they see us at one of these events, particularly the Theology on Tap. So we have uh, Mary McCusker from Catholic Charities, and we have a couple other Catholic Charities people here today. Well, uh, their boss, Mr. Hickey, Mr. Kevin Hickey, um, c- called me the other day and said that uh, he was at an event, and sure enough, someone came up to him and said hi, because on the podcast he said, if I'm out and about, 
come on and say hi. So it was a podcast listener came and actually uh, chit-chatted with him. I feel bad for the podcast listener because they had to talk to Mr. Hickey, but I, that was wonderful for, for him to let us know. I thought that was outstanding. Yeah, so, uh, I want to shake that person's hand. Yeah, so apparently Mr. Hickey's got a groupie. I like it. Well, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's a great story, Mike. Thanks yeah. for uh, so so. I want all the Pete Sanchez groupies to come out to Rocco's at the end of the month and uh, and swarm him as well. <laughs> well, I, and I got you, Pete. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, there's one groupie right there. There you married. go. Uh, um, well, I'm, I'm a married groupie, so that's a, um, so. The, and the thing with the Ozzy on tap. No cost to attempt. So come on out. Just have a good time. Hamilton, meet some awesome people. Uh, and also, um, we have something cool coming up next month. Mike, we're talking about Christmas. Yep. Um, we went right from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Uh, Saturday, December 2nd, is Music and Memories with Debbie Boone. Um, special tribute to her, her Rosemary Clooney, which is... Her, her mother-in-law. Mother-in-law, it, that'll, yes. That'll be a special tribute uh, during her concert to her. Mm-hmm. To her. But it, it's also, I just found out, the 40th anniversary of her signature song, uh, You Light Up My Life, is uh, December of uh, this month, of, uh, this year. Yeah, so I read that. 1977 was the first year. It was when it debuted uh, in December. And uh, so it'll be a, a great way of celebrating her 40th anniversary of her mega hit. Yeah, she will spread some Christmas cheer here, and now it's going to be in Sewell, New Jersey, mm-hmm. at Investors Bank Performing Arts Center, 519 Herfville, Cross Keys Road, on Saturday, December 2nd, 7.30, Debbie Boone. And it's great, Mike, because it's going to actually benefit uh, the South Jersey Scholarship Fund for Catholic Education. Yeah, and it's a really it's, yeah. a, it's a really nice event. It's a good concert. It's a, gr- it's a great venue. It's close to everything. You can go, go out and have dinner and then swing by the, uh, the concert afterwards. So... Uh, I highly recommend it. And one of the rare uh, events that it's actually <laughs> semi near my house. So it's yeah. only a 15 minute drive. So and then everybody, then anybody come over to my house afterwards. So it'll be fun. Sounds good. I, well, you sold me. Uh, <laughs> and Bishop Sullivan will be there. Another selling point. Probably yeah. The biggest Bishop. selling point. He'll be singing. And yes, he will be, uh, he'll be up there singing as well, as along with uh, some of our diocesan uh, musicians, uh, student musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just these events. They've done the Christmas concert a few years now. Always a wonderful event. Tickets on sale now through Ticketmaster or the box office. Uh, Ticketmaster.com, 1-800-745-3000. The box office is 856-218-8902. So come on out. Investors Bank Performing Arts Center in Sewell, New Jersey. Music Memories with uh, Debbie Boone, Saturday, December 2nd, starting at 7.30. So, uh, Mary, um, we have some of your colleagues here with you from Catholic Charities. Uh, for a great, uh, can you just introduce who they are? And, and well, yeah, pass on to you. Absolutely. So I'm sitting here with Aruna Mock, who is a case manager in Atlantic and Cape May County. She's also a nurse. And I'm also here with Brian Wagner, and I cannot remember his title for the life of me, but it's a really cool sounding title. He works at a Vineland and they both do incredible work. I'm sorry, Brian is the administration and evaluation officer. I can see how you would forget that. Yeah. That's a lot of letters. It's a cool sounding title though. I'll forget it sometimes myself. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we we invited the the Catholic Charities folks here, uh, Mary because she's written so extensively on it, and uh, Runa and Brian uh, because they have recently and repeatedly deployed 
to a number of the disaster areas uh, around the United States. Um, most recently, uh, in uh, well, they'll tell you where they deployed to, but Catholic Charities overall, as a as a national organization and as a local organization, routinely will deploy to um, disaster disaster locations. So most recently, that would be uh, Harvey and uh, Hurricane Harvey uh, hitting the Houston area, Hurricane Irma hitting the Florida area, and then uh, Hurricane Maria hitting the Puerto Rico area. So they've been doing a great job. And these two are actually boots on the ground, which is something that Catholic Charities uh, takes a great deal of pride in. So, uh, and Mary, but it's not just these two. You've had a number of uh, Catholic Charities folks deploy, yes, right? Yes, we've had around 10 total. And actually right now we have two. Uh, Jose Sanchez, after um, he just got back from Texas, he signed up again to be deployed to Puerto Rico. Yeah. He's in Puerto Rico right now. Rohan Allen, uh, who also works in, in Atlantic County and has had a ton of, ton of experience in disaster case management, he's at the Virgin Islands right now. Mm-hmm. So they're currently deployed as well. We've had a total of about um, 10 now, including Brian and Aruna. And if I'm not mistaken, you've volunteered a couple of times for deployment too, but we haven't had the opportunity to kick you out of the country yet. So, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. For that, well, that's the thing is, and before we introduce our guest, or actually ask some questions to our guests, that's the thing people need to remember about disaster areas. It's not a one and done issue. It's not you know, the first week it happens. It is a year or years of rebuilding, which we've seen after Katrina. Uh, and we've seen locally in, in after Superstorm Sandy, right. Catholic Charity still has a full-time position uh, open uh, supporting folks who, uh, who deal with uh, the remnants of Hurricane Two full-time positions. Yes. Sorry, they're, they're giving me the finger sign of uh, two <laughs> two full-time positions of people who are looking after uh, the victims of, of Superstorm Sandy. So it's, you know, yes. this isn't a little thing. So Mary's definitely going to get out of the country. We're definitely going to ship you, you somewhere. You want to get rid of me. Pretty you? much. That's kind of what it is. That's So, Brian, uh, you've de- deployed multiple times. Yes, Mike. What makes a person want to deploy to uh, handle disaster relief? I guess having a heart for it. Oh. Having a heart for helping others, which goes hand in hand with working with Catholic charities. Yeah. The uh, how long did you have to be uh, sort of arm twisted the first time you did it, or uh, was it something when the opportunity arose you kind of jumped at? Catholic charities put the call out the first time when I went down to uh, the diocese of the Rio Grande Valley in Brownsville, Texas, when they had um, a respite center set up for migrants who were coming across the border and be, were being released by um, Border Patrol and uh, Customs uh, who were going to family members in the States who were being dropped off at a bus stop. And from the time they were dropped off there to catch a bus to go wherever they were going in the States, they were being preyed upon. Yeah. So the local Catholic Church, uh, Sacred Heart, was in McAllen, Texas, was a block away. They opened up their social hall and set up a respite center there for a place for them to come and, uh, and be in a safe environment with people that uh, you know, cared for them and had, had the heart for it to um, look after them, meet all their needs until they got on the bus again mm-hmm. to go wherever they were going. And that's still going on today. And I was there for the whole month of July in 2014, and it had been going on for five or six weeks when I got there. So we're going on, uh, you know, we're going to start fourth year now. Wow. And I'm going to assume that it's uh, being deployed to an area like that, and more recently when you were deployed for the for the hurricane, uh, a little different than the, the, the day-to-day job? 
put a different for still serving people who are in need and they have different faces and different locations. Some of the needs are different, but it's still uh, you're meeting God's people there yeah. when you're in need. Yeah. So what were you doing when uh, when you were at the, uh, this most recent deployment? First recent deployment, I was uh, taking care of logistics for the, the executive director of uh, Diocese of Venice. Mm-hmm. And they had 12 distribution sites set up. And they had five donation drop-off sites. So I was coordinating the what donations being dropped off, getting them to the locations where they were needed. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, as they started to transition from emergency response to cleanup and to um, the recovery phases, we we're setting up a a central location as a warehouse basically the place to stage all the, the donations until they're taken out wherever they were needed, yeah. as they were needed. Uh, I was there for two weeks. When I left the following day, we deployed uh, Jeffrey Cates, even down the next day, and took over getting the, the warehouse set up. So he spent two weeks there as well, right after I left. Yeah. Wow. And Aruna, what about your first deployment, having uh, I mean, never had the opportunity to do one of these? I absolutely loved it. It was my very first, so I didn't know what to expect. But when I got there, um, it was completely different from what I actually expected. It was more hands-on. It was working with the vulnerable. Um, I I loved it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I was so grateful that Catholic Charities sent me out there because I met a lot of great people. And I knew that when I left, I made a difference. Really? Mm-hmm. How how many uh, other Catholic Charities people did you work with from from around the country? By the time I left, it was about a house full of eight to ten people. Really, um, we had different teams come from Albany. There was uh, someone from Indiana, and then there was two or three people from Camden. Yeah, and uh, you know what was what was sort of like a, a day to day, like sort of like when you woke up in the morning, you did what? To... When. The start of my day basically started with um, getting to a certain site, whether it was a distribution center or it was handing out food or knocking on doors, handing out supplies. And then, you know, the day would end by 6, 630. Yeah. You know, uh, Mary, that was something you've meant, you've written about a couple of times in sort of these recap articles you write for the, the Catholic Star Herald is the the door to, the knocking on door to doors. Uh, that's something, uh, particularly Jose Sanchez, as you referred to earlier, seems to have <laughs> seems to always end up. Every photograph I see of him that comes back from wherever he deploys, he's knocking on doors. Exactly. When they're knocking on doors, what are they doing? Oftentimes, people um, they might be afraid. Particularly if they're undocumented, they may be too scared to, to ask for help. Um, I think a lot of the time they don't even know where to begin. They don't know who to go to. Sometimes they're not even aware that they might be eligible for FEMA um, or eligible for, for other services. So it's important to have people go out, um, find out who's in the house, if anyone is still in there, and then um, assess their needs. I guess, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but add them into a system where they can they can be assisted and kind of conduct a client intake uh, the same way that we would with with any other clients. Is that, does that sound about right? Yeah, but I think when we knock on their door, it's kind of like a human being being there saying, hey, we're here to help you. We're not here to deport you. We're from so-and-so, our agency, and we kind of, it's like an information session one-on-one where we can help them. And I think it brings comfort and safety to them asked if they were to go to a, a public assistant place and they're scared. 
especially with what's going on right now. So there's a lot of fear in the population. So when they see a disaster case manager with a Catholic charity shirt, it brings a lot of comfort to them. And especially when you're bringing a lot of knowledge where they can go to get service and help. And, um, and then when we do an assessment, we take it back to our office and then we have, you know, someone reach out to them. So it's a lot more than right. just, you know, basic assessment because these are clients that have either lost a lot or their, their mentality is very, um, they're devastated because they they're starting all over and then when I did my mission in Houston they were hit over and over there was a flood that happened less than a year so they were in the process of recovering and then they get hit by a hurricane mm-hmm. so it's like they're they're um the way that they feel emotionally and mentally they're kind of drained by the time they get to you so it's like our job was to help encourage them show them there is hope we're here to help and nothing bad is going to come out of it that you know, it's, it's, I felt like a lot of the things that I did, even if I held someone's hand and just prayed with them or gave them a box of supplies, like they were still humble and very grateful because they've been hit over and over. So it's like, how many times can these people be hit by natural disaster? Right. And what about, uh, you know, you obviously run into a, a lot of folks that's, I mean, the thing about a disaster is it's devastating, right? You, you, even if you can see it coming, you have no way of really preparing for it. You can, you can get supplies in, you can board up your, your homes, but if it's a total devastation, you just, you're just getting hit by a buzzsaw at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, were there any examples of people you've worked with that you were particularly touched by? There was a couple. There was a couple family that had been hit by a flood and then got hit by Hurricane Harvey and then lost everything. And then there was it's it's very sad when all of their belonging is on the street for pickup and then their their new home is now a motel and they're eating you know out of just carry out, but they're able to recover. And then if there's proper um, care set up and if their case managed properly they're able to rebuild like part of our job was to to give them hope and i think once you have hope then they start to believe that they can make it they can get out of the hotel there's temporary housing and you hook them up with different resources so they're able to recover but i mean there's family that lost everything uh family there's a certain population that i observed where it was a lot of hispanic family all kind of bumped into one house so there's three family living in one home and it was totally destroyed by water. Yeah. So all of them were now in a hotel. Even though they're working part-time, it, they took time off of work just to recover for a couple of days. And their you know, loss of income leads to loss of other things. So once you hook them up with the certain um, availability of resources, it kind of helps them. But it's long-term. It takes a while to recover from something like this. Yeah. How about you, Brian? Anyone that uh, was particularly remarkable when you were down there? Nobody in has a particular um, family stands out, but it, what stood out to me was most a lot of the damage that we had around Florida wasn't as much near the coast where they had uh, a little bit more affluential neighborhoods where they had you know concrete buildings, steel buildings to withstand storm force. A lot of it was in the, the outlying areas where there's a lot of migrant workers and the uh, the poor population were in. Uh, you know, makeshift housing. They're in uh, trailer parks or RV parks, and a lot of those shelters aren't meant to withstand storm surge and yeah. 140 mile an hour winds. So a lot of those areas were 
particularly hit worst, which brings about the whole thing about the the poor suffer more during these these events. Yeah, yeah. How does uh, can you speak a bit about the deployment process? How does it work? Do you do does Catholic charities here know that you want to be to, or you're volunteered, or how does it when things like this happen? My understanding is that um, when uh, an agency, a particular Catholic Church agency, is in need, they put out the call through CCUSA, that then puts out the, the the call for assistance through all of its member organizations. So when we get a notice, we Catholic Charities of uh, Diocese of Camden, we get a notice that there's someone's looking for assistance for you know certain skills, that um, you know the call goes out and. Kevin asked everyone for uh, you know, from volunteers, anybody that has these skills or would like to, to volunteer, mm-hmm. you know, you know, put your name in the in the hat and and the if you need it. and the turnaround. I, I know. I think in Jose's case, I think I was told that uh, you know we put in for it and they get a they get a phone call and then the, the, the phone call is, hey, in two days, can you be somewhere? Is that how it's worked? I think often it is very short notice, but I think that people who have volunteered to be deployed, that's something that, that they're ready to do. Yeah. Um, and I know Jeff Gates, who, who came in after Brian Wagner uh, down in Florida, there was a need for somebody who could operate forklifts. And he just mm-hmm. said, well, hey, I, used, I know how to do that. I did it at my job um, years ago. And within 48 hours, he was on a on a plane to Florida. So it really is employees dropping everything that they're doing, which is a lot, yeah. and 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 going straight down there to to provide relief. How how does it work? You know, talking about that quick turnaround, 48 hours. Do you two have families? How hard is it to kind of pull yourselves away from this area for a bit? Um, I knew I wanted to serve. And I knew that I wanted to be deployed. So I I have three kids. I'm a single mom. It wasn't that easy, but I knew that this was something in my heart of hearts that I wanted to do. So I think I had less than 48 hours to get myself together, make sure there was childcare. Um, thankfully, I was blessed that I did have those things in place. But, you know, I did miss my children terribly and my significant other. So you are a little homesick, but the feeling of serving and helping the poor, helping vulnerable, it overcomes all of that. Then your kids can see that too. They can see that example. Yeah. And, you know, they miss their mommy, but I'd rather set a better example for them that mommy can leave you for two weeks, knowing that your dad is taking care of you and go help. And I I think when I came home, it was just a gratitude feeling that I had for my deployment. Brad? I'm also like, doubly blessed my wife has a the same loving heart i do and she actually assisted i was the logistics officer for our hurricane sandy um our two distribution sites we had set up in wildwood and in northfield and my wife also uh volunteered at the sites and helped out she helped drive trucks from here to there and deliver supplies and everything so when the call came out for us to go to texas in 2014 um, she said she was available as well. So I uh, believe when Kevin found out that he could send two people, would only have to pay one to not be there. <laughs> it was a no-brainer. We, um, we got to deploy together, and we haven't been the same. I mean, it's definitely life-changing to experience that. Yeah. In, in Texas, it was particular when I was working like security at the, the gate for the, for the respite center. 
I would see people when they first get off the, the, the bus, and these people have seen untold things. They've been traveling all through Central America to get to the border, and once they cross, the things that they have seen and experienced are um, they're pretty graphic, and they're just some stuff you couldn't even imagine, the, the things that they've seen with them and their children. But to see them when they get off the, uh, off the bus, they have no idea where they're at, What's going to happen to them next after just being processed by, uh, you know, ICE or the Border Patrol when they're dropped off? When they get to the respite center, as soon as they walk in, all the volunteers stop what they're doing and start clapping. And everybody, bienvenidos, you know, welcome. And that's when they get the first inkling you know, that they um, you know what's like to experience God's love. And that's all it was right there. Yeah, right. And to see the same person within anywhere from two hours to possibly the next day when they leave to get back on the bus. A lot of times you don't even recognize the people. Some of them haven't you know, seen the shower or anything in, in two months. And they go off, they're covered with dust or dirt, and they have nothing on but the clothes that, they, that they're wearing. That's the only possessions they have. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been taken away from them. Um, before they cross the border, everything is gone. And just to see, know that it's God's love that made that change in that person from people who donated items, people who donated money to support the efforts, to volunteers who show up and actually have hands-on. I mean, there's there's senders and there's goers. And they have the support we do here at Catholic Charities to give us the opportunity to go out and experience this and do this is, is amazing. Yeah. So I have a question for, for both of you. You know, here in New Jersey, it's a densely populated state. All of our sites even though Vineland, Vineland seems so far away from Camden when I drive there, um, in a place like Texas, you know, I'd imagine that the that the sites, the distribution centers are, are a lot more um, widespread. And when it comes to, to the staff there, that must be a, a challenge for them. Um, so how was it working with the, with the local staff, the local Catholic charity staff there? I'd imagine that they were pretty relieved <laughs> to have some... Uh, assistance they were by the time when i got there they were exhausted because they were working non-stop they didn't have days off so just to have a moment to themselves to just sleep an extra hour so they're able to be more productive the next day to help client was they were very grateful and you can tell that they were just exhausted because when a natural disaster hit there's no time to take a break it's just non-stop trying to get as much assistance out there as possible to help the population so they were overly exhausted. They were tired and you could see it on their faces and they were also very grateful and they were um, probably, they were just really nice and kind and grateful for the people that was being deployed so they can take a moment to catch up on simple things such as sleep or to grab lunch. Right, right. And Brian, did you, what was your experience like with this? The same thing, there? setting I was in in Florida was probably their, their family centers were spread out about like they are here in New Jersey. I mean, you drive several hours to get from one office to the other. Wow. So because they're, the whole diocese is covered then by the Catholic Charities presence, you know, each office is called to do a lot to take care of that particular county. And I was there two weeks after the, uh, the hurricane hit in, um, on 9-11. I was there two weeks later, and a lot of the people still haven't had a day off. They've been working there two weeks straight, you know, 12 to 16 hour days, and uh, definitely uh, welcome the uh, the assistance, you know, whatever whatever it comes in. 
you know, that that's something you, you, we don't always think about when these disasters hit. You know, we always think about the people who are in need, but there are people working these events as well, and, and oftentimes dealing with their own issues as well. I mean, obviously they're trying to support uh, who's in pain, who's in need, but oftentimes their own homes have had damage, right? They're the it's they they they're sort of it's a d- double edged sword for them. You know, they're getting it on two ends. Same thing happened here during Sandy that you know, we had people that were deploying working our distribution sites who had damage at home and family and just knowing that um, whatever support systems they have that's all there is to lean on yeah and um, you know, but they still showed up and they were still working our distribution sites you know sun up to sun down and um, mm-hmm. you know selfless and put their own needs aside to, to help others are there when you're when you're deploying? Are there moments of joy aside from saying the joy you're, you're giving to others, but moments of levity? I mean, are there ways of sort of uh, you know getting that stress out, or do you? Is it two weeks of that, and then you come home and sort of crash? No, there's like the down. You know, like we would all have dinner together or grab drinks and kind of decompress and talk about our day, kind of recap how things could have gone better or who's going where. Um, so there's a moment where you are able to decompress where you're not so overwhelmed and exhausted. But, you know, there are days where we wouldn't get home till 9, 10 o'clock and we would just crash. So it's a good balance because to be deployed and to be in an area where you're unfamiliar with and, you know, your job is to just serve, serve, serve. You also need to take a moment to serve yourself so hmm. you're better fit to serve the next day. Yeah. So. How about you, Brian? Hey, if you got to go with your wife, um, moments of levity or... Would we be able to sort of? There was. There was. We had. Uh, we get to at the end of the day. We get to enjoy, you know, dinner together, and just hang out and talk about the day and things we've seen, and be able to process those and talk to them and pray for each other. And we had uh, kind of when we deployed to Texas, we were eating out most of our meals. There's no cooking at the motel, right? So we quickly realized that um, we. We come up with an agreement that we were going to eat at any any uh, change that we could go to at home. Okay. So after we got off work, it was a matter of you know looking forward to where we're going to eat tonight, or we passed this place today, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that little place over there. So between the Texas barbecue and the Mexican <laughs> restaurant, <laughs> I was going to say gas station barbecue in Texas is real good. And authentic um, Mexican, so delicious. Oh really? Talking uh, mm-hmm. my language. Cuban, but I love that Spanish food. See, we got back into food again. We, we can always take it back to food. That's, <laughs> that's, that's that's nice. And how about from sort of a spiritual side? Uh, Brian, you mentioned uh, that you would pray uh, a lot. And, and Aruna, you mentioned praying sometimes with a, with a client if they were in particular distress. Um, was there much time for, for services, uh, mass, uh, organized prayer of some time? Or was it a lot of just trying to get everything done when you can and you get your prayers in when you can? It was a little of both. It depends on how the day was. I think we did have one Sunday off where I was able to go to church um, and, you know, attend mass there, but it was more kind of at the end of the day when you're decompressing, you're just, it's a humbling experience. I'm really deep into spirituality, especially meditating. So I would, you know, my way of decompression was to sit there and meditate and just kind of contemplate on what happened today. Like, this was amazing, or how can I help the next day? That was my prayer time, just kind of having a run alone time and meditate. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, 
when if I was around a client and it was for me the big thing was to give them something to believe in that they can recover and rebuild from this so whether it was stop to take a moment to meditate or pray meditation for me is prayer Mm -hmm. so that kind of helped me it helped to sink my soul as well very good Brad same thing with thing with us at the end of the day we got to um my wife and I discussed a lot of God sightings Mm-hmm. You know, things we see, um, you know, things that that only happened because you know God was there. Yeah. And the biggest takeaway we had was just being able to see the difference that God's love made in the people, especially in, when we were in Texas, that people that came there in need, and seeing what they're they're just the whole completely different person when they left, and knowing that 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 was what um, that God's love is what actually came to light. Actually, you could see it. You see it in their face. You can see it in their families, the kids, and the, as well as the, the, most of them were, were single mothers with anywhere from one to four kids yeah. in the families that we saw. And just to know that's what that was, I mean, we still talk about it today, and, you know, three years later, and it's still, they're very real to us. We keep in touch with uh, the people that we volunteered with there, that we met there from Catholic Charities. Um, Sister Norma Pimentel is the executive director there, and... Uh, we keep in touch on Facebook, you know, daily. We still chat back and forth. We run into her several times. We've been back to Texas um, since then for their annual gala dinner. They invited us to come back, and they're recognizing volunteers. So my wife and I got to go back for a weekend and work the center while we were there. And it, uh, it's still going on today. We yeah. still need help. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you two can really see the wider Catholic Church community. I think, at least for me, the tendency work here I can see this community appreciated but uh, do you st- I, is, it must be wonderful just to be able to um, you know kind of realize that we're one universal you know and but also you're, you're helping people that aren't that might necessarily not understand the Catholic faith or appreciate it do, do those conversations ever come up with what you're doing is there for lack of a better word evangelization opportunities for I think for the crew in Houston, what we did, we basically let everyone know in the community that all is welcome and we don't preach to them. Um, you kind of don't want to be too pushy or too forward and say, oh, we're Catholic or we're from Catholic Charity. This is what we believe in. We were there to help serve a mission. We were there to help serve these people. And our what our goal was, was to make them feel warm and welcome and yeah. not per se kind of bestow this upon them and say oh well if you're not catholic we won't serve you or if you're not spiritual we won't serve you we're here to serve everything that walks through that door so and if someone wanted a moment to pray or wanted um a rosary whatever we had on hand we would give it to them same here the um you know there's opportunities um and people may ask if uh, you know we could pray with them or for them or keep us in prayer and uh same thing and, you know, that's that's really what Catholic Charities MO is. You know, we don't do this because other people are Catholic. We do it because we're Catholic or because we're a Catholic institution. It's just in our nature to, to go out and help. And I'm saying we as if I'm a member of Catholic Charities. I'm a member of that. I'm, saying, I'm not a member of Catholic Charities, but I like to think of you guys as my sweet, dear cousins. So, Mr. Hickey, one of his, uh, his 
quotes, we don't help people because they're Catholic, we help people because we are. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, and I, I really do think above anything, and Bishop Sullivan has used that a number of times as well when referencing the good work that Catholic Charities not does, not just in our diocese, but uh, around the country and around the globe. Um, it's just, it's the nature of what we do. It's it's that Catholic social teaching that uh, that catholic charities really embraces and that you know we hope to see the parishes embrace and the schools embrace and catholics embrace and the ministries embrace that that you know there is no separation between us and anybody else if everybody we helped was a non-catholic that would be just as great as if everybody we helped was a catholic um we, we literally so need see no difference and you don't have to present a religion card when you uh come come walking into our doors so uh the catholic charity is always open to be supportive of uh, anyone in need if they have the capacity they they always help and if they don't have the capacity they tell you exactly where to go and and to, to get what you need you know that's that's one of the nice things about our catholic charities uh, specifically there are so many other ministries whether it's uh vitality catholic Healthcare services or the saint vincent de paul society that um if you know a particular office can't handle it a particular department and catholic charities can't handle it they'll, they'll shift you in the right direction but it's it is always a great opportunity to to be able to showcase a lot of the great work that catholic charities does particularly on such things that have such massive scale i mean you know Particularly the destruction in, in uh, Houston and in Puerto Rico will will tally into the billions of dollars. It will be, it will be five years uh, before those those two areas are made whole again, if not longer. Um, so people who want to support what Catholic Charities does, Mary, I do believe that there are some donation opportunities. Yes, um, Catholic Charities USA uh, has a, a text to give campaign off the top of my head I don't remember but it is on our Catholic Charities website if you go to www.catholiccharitiescamden.org right there on the homepage you will see a button with a hurricane on it that says disaster relief and um, there are multiple ways to, to give and we'll make sure that in the bio for this edition we'll uh, make sure we have that texting number in there as well so I want to ask Brian and Aruna, so you just got back um, and relief efforts are going to be going on for, like Mike said, years. Would you consider going uh, or consider being deployed again? I've already handed in my uh, dates of availability for uh next available to uh, deploy wherever needed, yeah. And Aruna, after your first trip, what do you think? I would absolutely do it again. Um, I've I, too, will be handing in some dates to go, hopefully, to Puerto Rico, if I can. Excellent. The uh, Well, that is wonderful. Now, let's talk about a little bit about your day-to-day jobs, you know, we, we, and sort of like what brought you to Catholic Charities. Um, Brian, What on a day-to-day basis, what is it that uh, you're doing? I'm um, based in the, the Vineland office, but I, uh, being the administration and evaluation office, basically, I oversee grants. Make sure that uh, the money that we're entrusted with is spent the way it was supposed to be. The reporting is done, and um, you know any place uh, the, the, that there's need that isn't being addressed, so I can see where there is to find out about availability of other grants or monies available to uh, you know, fulfill as many needs as we can across mm-hmm. all six counties. And what brought you to Catholic Charities? Unemployment. That'll do it. <laughs> and that has brought me to a couple of jobs, too, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. No, just uh, knowing the work that Catholic Charities does 
and uh, just give you that opportunity. It was something I definitely wanted to do. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And Aruna, what about your day-to-day job? Um, I'm currently based in the Rio Grande office. So I'm a case manager. Um, our office serves and does a variety of things. Um, we help out. We have a food pantry. We have clothing. We have um, we help out with rental assistance. Whatever your needs are, you walk through the door, we find a way to fulfill them. If we don't, we're able to contact other resources um, to just try to help you in whichever way we possibly can. So we try not to have anyone walk out of there feeling like, oh, I came here and it was a waste of time. If I'm able to give you some food, if that's what you need, the needs are being met. Um, If I can't meet your needs, I'm trying to either go above and beyond trying to get referrals, trying to find another agency that can help you. We try never to say no, mm-hmm. but sometimes you do. That's where other community resources come. Yeah. And what brought what brought you to Catholic Charities? Um, I work in the Atlantic City office uh, as a homeless prevention case manager. So I don't know what brought me. I think it was just the job, and it was just the way things happen. I think I was meant to be in Catholic Charity um, to serve and and to do this amazing job that I have. I just randomly. You know, I tell you, I I think Catholic Charity is an an institution where the Holy Spirit is at work. Um, Mr. Hickey, I I enjoy bedeviling him almost as much as I enjoy bedeviling Pete. Um, But he uh, he he his staff, he just have he has a he has an ability to pull these people in that just have such a good heart and a wonderful person. And I was part of the interview process when uh, Mary came on board. And I've said this before. He saw something in her that I I knew she had. You didn't? No, 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 sort of, kind of. (laughs) I saw one thing, he saw another. I saw your technical abilities, but he saw that that, that there was something more there, that that there was a... there's a spirituality to you, and I think there's a, and a spirituality to a lot of the people who come on board. I'm not saying they're all angels. I'm sure they're. I'm sure there's. They're not. But, but so many of the ones that I've worked with over the past two years since I've been part of the diocese have just simply blown me away. And I t- said this to Mary. Anytime I need, a, I don't know, my spirituality or my my faith in humanity sort of bolstered. All I need to do is swing by a Catholic Charities, and either I'll see a client there or I'll see a couple of case managers, not Mr. Hickey or Mary, but, you know, someone who's actually doing good work, and um, and I'll be just – it just blows me away. And, and Mary's seen the list of people that I truly appreciate, and you two are certainly on the list. It's a very humbling job. Yeah. In the sense of, of empathy yes. um, that I see. Maybe that's maybe because I don't have that. Maybe that's why I'm so yeah, impressed. Yeah, you might be missing that. That, a little bit. <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> and I know Aruna. Um, one of the first times we ever spoke, uh, I happened. She happened to be driving by when I was having a bit of a medical emergency in Atlantic City, and it just so happened Aruna is a registered nurse and took care of me right away. And you know what are the odds of that? So I, I certainly see that in her and. Didn't something happen in Houston? Somebody had fallen. I remember Jose Sanchez telling me that that, you Um, you were able to use your skills there, too. That's a great thing about being a nurse. It never leaves you. Um, A client had fallen, had bruised her left side. She had a concussion. She wasn't gushing out blood, but she needed an assessment to be done right away, and um, she needed medical care. So I just so happened I was walking and she fell and there was a little bit of uh, chaos and I was able to get through and get to her and do an assessment on her 
and to kind of apply some pressure so she's not bleeding. And she was an elderly woman. It was raining, and she kind of just toppled over, and her whole left side had some kind of injury, and she needed medical attention. But the person that she was with, you know, was uh, was a little frantic. She was a little frantic. So it's being able to calm a client down. Sure. Looking at them, trying to do an assessment and seeing if they need ambulance right away or if they can wait and then go see a doctor, go with her. Nothing was broken or fractured, but she was in a lot of pain. She had hit her head. So she had a slight concussion. But it's being able to, like, I love the fact that I'm a registered nurse because even with Catholic Charity, as I'm doing case management, I'm able to kind of point out certain things. Well, this client has this diagnosis. Um, maybe we need more more attention with this file um, and, you know, try to refer them to the right place. Sure, sure. That, that is because Catholic Charity seems to pull together people of very diverse backgrounds. Those diverse backgrounds really do come into play in a, in a beautiful way, which gives them great abilities when they go and deploy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's wonderful. Well, we are going to uh, just uh, start to, to wrap up here. Now, we usually end each podcast with a couple of questions from uh, from Pete, completely unrelated to the, the conversation we've had. Though oftentimes when I start this transition, then Pete decides to go back and ask another question unrelated to what, it, what his last <laughs> So it's always possible that he's now going to completely kill the intro I gave you by asking you a question referring back to your deployments. Pete, all you. You are wrong, Mike. <laughs> That's all. So thank, thanks, uh, both of you. Our first question is, uh, with the holidays coming up, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, what are your plans? I'm flying down to Florida. Um, I have a lot of family members down there. My brother does a great fried turkey. So I'm so excited. I don't have to cook. I don't have to cook, and I can be in the sunshine, especially with the weather. I'm trying to dip a little low these days. So I'm going to Florida. I'm going to veg out for a couple days, and then I'll be back. That's Excellent. Good. I was going to say, you and Mike should have, like, a fried turkey off. <laughs> oh, no. She's going to go down. She'll have fried turkey down there. When she comes back up again, she'll have fried turkey leftovers that I'll, I'll bring into the diocese. How about that? There you go. Okay, so, Mike, you were saying oh, none that. For, no, 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 that's, that's for you. Recorded. None that's for recorded. you. None for you. Uh, other nice people get them. Not you. <laughs> the, the nice Catholic Charities people, not the mean Star Herald people. Okay, Mike, we should have Brian wow. talk. <laughs> Mike, uh, Brian. So what are you doing for the holidays? <laughs> well, Thanksgiving, we go to uh, our family's uh Every other year, we spend uh, every other year here with my wife's family, but my family's in Pennsylvania, so we go up there and spend the next two weeks uh, vacation for uh, deer season. Oh, very nice. And then uh, come back and uh, have Christmas here with uh, most of our seven grandchildren. Three right now are living in Texas, but uh, we have a big family here, so we get together. Yeah, it's outstanding. I like I like a big family get together. So that's that's always my favorite thing. We'll have thirty for Thanksgiving next week. I had twenty two yeah. for the for the uh, birthday party the other day. It's not, I, I love I love a big people. household me full too. of people. I, me too. We yeah. need to throw a big like Star Herald Catholic Charities big holiday party. So oh so you you consider us family? Uh, I do I do I consider us all one family. This is great. Me familia. That's yeah, a lot of pecan pies. That is a lot of pecan <laughs> yeah, pies. Yeah, yeah. bacon now. Yeah, oh, I know. Now mm. you've put that out there. <laughs> I can do this for a fried turkey's easy compared to pecan pie. Oh, you just get a whole lot of corn syrup and you get sugar. Oh, yeah, I know. That. The diabetes. The uh, <laughs> Now, the question is, since Mary's our co-host, does she get asked a question? I know. Or do we, do we, do we not even include her? I think huh. you just asked a question, Mike. So I think that's question number two. 
No, 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 no. I asked you a question. That doesn't count. That's not a question. Mary. What are you doing for the holidays, Mary? I'm sorry, Mary. How can I forget Mary? Well, my family, my crazy Irish family, we always have these plans in place and something always happens the day before and (laughs) things get rearranged and changed. So I want to say that we'll be um, at my aunt's house in Brigantine, but... Honestly, who knows? Either way, it'll be a good time. We always end up somewhere having a great time with family. But um, yeah, so so far, that's the plan. Okay. Always good to be at the shore during the holidays. Yes, sir. All right, Peter, what's your second question? Okay, the second question is, uh, well, for all three of you, uh, being, you see your travelers, travelers to different places. Do you have a favorite uh, destination, travel destination? That you've been to or want to go to? I want to do Europe. Europe's I good. I want to do Europe. I, I would love to go to Italy. I've seen so many pictures and manifesting a trip to Italy as we speak right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I support that. How do you, Brian? Where do you want to go? I'd like to go back and visit Panama. I was in the Army for eight years and spent four years in Panama, so I'd love to go back and see it sometime. Yeah, you'll have to talk to Pete about that. He wants to go. You tell him all the places he shouldn't go and all the places he should go if he uh, ends up going to World Youth Day next year with the kids, mm-hmm. pretending mm-hmm. to be a young person. I think it's in 2019. Okay. Well, almost anyway, two a years, couple, right? yeah. January of 19. Yeah, what and, about you, Mary? Where, where would you want to go? Or where have you been? Well, she's been a lot of places. <laughs> so I think the question is where do you want to go? Um. I would like to go somewhere in in South America. That's the only continent I think I've never been to, except for Antarctica. (laughs) I don't plan on going there, but um, my sister and I have been talking about going to Colombia, so we'll see. Very nice. Okay. Last question, Peter. Okay. And with this, normally uh, we ask these of all our guests, but is there, um, and we'll ask you. Do you have uh, life advice that you picked up along the way or that somebody has taught you that you can impart to our listeners? For me, it's always have a positive attitude about everything that comes your way. Um, I feel as if when you're positive, your outlook changes, your perception changes, and I feel like you should have a mantra in life, whatever it is, um, stick to that. You know, I, I really, I infuse that in my children. I, I pass it on to everyone that comes near me. I'm like, if you have a positive attitude, you're able to overcome obstacles and challenges that come in your way. And it's all about your mind is what you put into your mind is really what's going to help you through life and the challenges that you face. And every day we're all facing different challenges and we all go through different struggles. But I feel like when you have a positive attitude, you're able to you're able to overcome it a lot quicker, faster. I agree with that. That's good. That's good advice right there. How about you, Brian? So I think mine is God has each one of us where we're at, where he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Wherever we're at, that's where he wants us. We might not always know why he wants us here or in this particular situation, but one day we will know. All right. Also, very good advice. And Mary, what kind of great advice have you gotten? Probably from me, but what other, other than oh, advice I've given you. Oh, please yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is my third time on a podcast, and I think I've said the same answer every time, but that's okay. I'll say it again. Um I don't know who said this quote. It might have been Plato, but I'm not really sure. Um, be kind to all because you never know, because everyone you know is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Um, that's 
always been my motto. Uh, I see Mike scowling. For no, 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 no. I because no. I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was. I love that motto, and I I fail at it routinely, <laughs> um, which is why it's a good thing that it's a motto that I should probably have tattooed on my wrist uh, along with uh, uh, "Pride goeth before the fall." Um, I support that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the um, no, no. But I was thinking about what you said before that you said it three times on the podcast. I was just going to tell you that each podcast has different listeners. So I mean, there's some. I mean, obviously there's overlap, but we always get new people. So someone new is going to be hearing that for the first time. But if we only got one new listener and they hear that. It's totally worth it awesome. so yes yeah, so because you're absolutely right it's something mr hickey and i talk about from time to time that, yeah that i think in, the, in the, your day-to-day life sometimes you forget that other people have their own struggles that right. they're oftentimes dealing with quietly and you wouldn't know mm-hmm. and that maybe there's a reason why they're having an off day or right. or and you have we have to remind ourselves of that exactly so never pete though he's always joyous he, <laughs> he's never has a bad day but uh the rest of us not so easy so well thank you very much for for being with us today you guys were fantastic and uh you're welcome back on the podcast at any time mary thank you very much for being our uh, our co-host today it was lovely having you here my pleasure mike for someone who uh who fought being on the podcast uh, so strenuously when we first brought thought up this idea the fact that you've now been a you this is your three peat makes us very happy wow yeah. <laughs> mary i can already see you being more comfortable with this and more relaxed i love it i want you back you know just to drown out mike Yeah, well, that's, yes, obviously. (laughs) I agree completely. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for uh, being with us today, and uh, check us out next week. And don't forget, make sure you like us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and uh, subscribe to the uh, Apple Podcast feed or wherever it is you get your various podcasts, and make sure you uh, write a review. And by all means, should you see us in public, you know, come and say hi to me or go tackle Pete. Have a good uh, evening, everybody. You too, everybody. Uh, You too, Mike. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Smooth as silk.